1: To the season finale of *The Cordyceps Chronicles*, a PoppychulaRadio.com original series, Poppychula Radio, Pop Culture on Demand. Today is Monday, March thirteenth, two thousand twenty-three, and I'm your host, Priscilla Obregon. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on HBO's *The Last of Us*. Please welcome my co-hosts, Jeffrey Aru. Welcome back,
0: everyone, for one last time this season.
2: And Vinnie Hatcher. Hello and welcome to the last of this about The Last of Us. That was good. <laughs> that is. Thank sweet. you, I try.
1: So, let's jump into our discussion of season 1, episode 9, which is titled Look for the Light and debuted March 12, 2023 via HBO. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. A pregnant Anna places her trust in a lifelong friend, later Joel and Ellie near the end of their journey. As our final episode of season one begins, we see a pregnant woman, played by Ashley Johnson, who played Ellie in the Last of Us games, as she runs through the woods, trying to outpace the infected we hear in the distance. She makes it to a farmhouse but finds that the people she was looking for aren't there. As she climbs up the stairs, she sees that her water has broken, and she barricades herself in the second-story room. The baby is coming, but so are the infected, who have busted into the house and are trying to knock the door down in the room she's in. When an infected woman busts in, the pregnant woman fights her off, reaching for her dropped switchblade the same one we've seen ellie with the pregnant woman grabs the knife and stabs the infected to death the woman also realizes that in the scuffle not only has she given birth to her baby girl but she's also been bitten on the thigh by the infected the woman cuts the umbilical cord with her knife and holds her baby knowing they won't have nearly enough time together but the woman relishes these few moments kissing her child and showing it love while she can The baby is crying, and her mother says, you fucking tell them, Ellie. She holds baby Ellie close, and she calms down, but the new mother begins to cry, a combination of the joy of seeing her child and the pain of realizing she'll be saying goodbye far too soon. Later that night, we see a group of three fireflies, including Marlene, coming to the farmhouse and finding it locked. As they enter and search the house, they hear the new mother, who is named Anna, singing. They find Anna in the same room, holding Ellie in one hand and holding a knife to her neck in the other. The bite already looks bad, and Anna tells Marlene she didn't want to nurse the hungry Ellie because of her bite. Anna lies and says there she cut the umbilical cord before she was bitten. And when Marlene seems to question this, Anna doubles down on the statement. Anna tells Marlene she wants to take Ellie to Boston and find someone to bring her up and make sure she's safe. Marlene says she can't do that, but Anna keeps going, saying she wants Ellie to have her switchblade. Anna says her name is Ellie, yet Marlene continues to say she can't do this. But Anna asks how long they've known each other, and Marlene replies, our whole lives, to which Anna says, so pick her up right now, and then you kill me. Marlene takes Ellie and leaves her lifelong friend, saying she can't kill her. Anna pleads with her as Marlene walks away, but knowing what she has to do, Marlene hands Ellie off to another firefly and tells him to cover the newborn's ears. Marlene then walks back into the room, quickly and with purpose, and shoots Anna before she can second-guess the choice. So we've covered the whole Anna scene and I want to get your takes on this starting with uh Jeffrey.
0: Oh gosh, what a good flashback. I you know, it's it's sad to say that I I enjoyed it because I mean it was um it was it was a lot. Um but the acting was absolutely fantastic. Uh it was great to see Marlene Again, it was great to see Ashley Johnson. You know, an actor that I know. You know, ended up um, voicing the character, as you said, uh, Priscilla in the game. She voiced Ellie, and uh, I mean, I think for a lot for a lot of us that grew up watching like 90s TV, like we recognize Ashley Johnson from when she was a kid on a whole bunch of different television shows. So, like, she was recognizable. For me, So I was like, oh, look, it's her. And um, and then upon doing research and realizing she was also a voice in the game, I was like, okay, I really love that this series has uh, been incredibly respectful, not just to the game, but to the voice actors. Because, I mean, clearly everyone outside of Marlene is played by brand new actors and not being played by the voice actors. So giving them the chance to play a different character in live action is uh, incredibly nice to see. She was fantastic. The acting was so good. Um, we got sort of a, a kind of, um, well, I guess we can sort of maybe surmise in our brain as to how Ellie is immune to the cordyceps virus. And, and Marlene was just a badass. I mean, she did what she had to do. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, it was just, she was just so good. I love Marlene in this episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was an incredibly well-done, two-part kind of uh, flashback. We saw a little bit before the opening credits, and then, or I should say the opening theme, and then we saw a little bit after the opening theme. If there was anything that I would just, not really nitpick about, but I would have loved for them to have like flashed on the screen, unless I missed it, the year that this happened. I guess we could kind of do the math, but it would have been nice just to get a little flash. Maybe not the first time around because I think we're supposed to maybe question when this is happening. But once we realized that this was in the past, you know, a nice little flash of the year would have been kind of nice.
2: Vinny, what did you think? I mean, it was good. Um, it did kind of feel though, to me that it, this was like, just them shoehorning the actress into a role to get her in the show, but I'm totally okay with that, because this was really well done. It supplemented the story in a positive way. You know, it just really reinforced that Ellie's story has been tragic from day one, and it tied everything to Marlene and the Fireflies back to where we are now, coming full circle. You know, it was really tragic and expertly acted, and, I mean, it brought a tear to my eyes, so yeah, I, I definitely liked it.
1: I'm just going to reiterate what bo- what both of you said. I, I completely agree with you, Vinny. It feels kind of like they were like, we need Ashley Johnson in something and we need her in something where she can only act in like one episode. Cause we don't want her taking away from right. the new Ellie. So how do we do it? Well, let's have the old Ellie birth, the new Ellie. Like it, it's, it's perfect. She gives her life. It's, it it makes sense in a thematic way. And I don't know, like, I did appreciate, though, why they didn't put the year in because for someone that's played the video game, to hear, like, Ellie's voice again and her running through the the forest and you don't really get to see, like, is she tall? Is she short? Like, a part of me, like, my brain just fritzed out and was just kind of like, am I playing the game again? Is this really Ellie? And I completely forgot that, like, no. Ellie is now being played by somebody else this is Ashley Johnston being like Anna her mother so like it was it was really cool I and oh god I loved when she when the baby starts crying and she holds her and she's like you tell him Ellie like that was so like ah oh, that was that that just hit me in like the whole like mother-daughter like hurty feels like it was just it was beautiful and it it for those people that are, like, they just created something new for it. It actually comes from the Dark Horse comics that uh, I think it was the, the the main writer of the series, like, wrote. And apparently it was supposed to be um, a short, like, film or, like, a little, like, video that was supposed to come out once the game came out as, like, extra content. But because of, like, COVID, they just couldn't find the means to, like created and put it out in time but they they managed to have like to save that story and put it in a dark horse comic so like it technically it's it's canon so i i like i appreciate the fact that it was there like there's a there's reasoning for it to be there for and especially for all those people that are like well why is ellie so special why is she immune well here's your answer it's because she got Cordyceps when she was a baby, like from her mom being bit. So, yeah. Although thinking about it, like the concept of a zombie baby, crazy.
0: Like just, <laughs> a zombie baby.
1: It could have been. She. Yeah. She was like, no. She was. I was bit after the umbilical cord was cut. Like, but yeah, she could have like been like one of those babies with like freaking spores coming out of her face and stuff yes. like that. Or whatever the heck you call.
0: That would have been gnarly. <laughs> yeah. So
2: fun point of trivia, I once starred in a B-rated zombie movie that sadly never made it through production, oh. but my character's backstory was that his high school sweetheart and him had gotten married right before the zombie thing happened, and she got bit while she was... Uh, she, she got bit, and they thought she was immune, but the baby got infected and ate its way out.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I wish I wish we could see that.
2: I know. I really wanted it to come to happen, but that was why he was so like he went kind of crazy and became a sniper.
0: Oh, that's even better. <laughs> I love the motivation. Yes. yes, and I'm and I'm glad <laughs> that you explained what you did, Priscilla, in regards to this sequence. Because in my mind, I was like, was this a part of the game? You know, because I I would like have no idea how this would have fit in to the actual game. So I'm glad that you explained where this is from, that it isn't, you know, just an original thing for the series, that it actually is a part of the game lore. It was
1: okay. Like, I liked it. and But I will say I disagree with you um, on one part, which was your admiration of Marlene, because I felt that in this scene, and I guess it's to, I'll, I'll explain it later when, like, it makes sense, but for now this scene I felt that she was really weak and selfish in that like she had to have a friend beg her to kill her and even then like she didn't go into the room and was like it's okay like I'll take care of your daughter she didn't offer her like a, a smidgen of like comfort or anything to it she just kind of like went in and shot her in the face like it's just it was cold and ruthless and just kind of I don't know, very selfish in, a, in an apocalyptic sort of way where, like, you just kind of have to do what you can to save your own feelings and, like, cut the cord quick, so to speak, as opposed to, like, offer any sort of comfort or humanity to the situation. So, I don't know. Like, I I thought it was innately a very selfish act. That's funny. What
0: first... I, 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 well, just really quick, because um, I saw it, The reason why you're complaining about it is the reason why I liked it, because, you know, just in that tiny scene, because, I mean, it really isn't that long, you know, they had to convey that they had history with each other, and if they have been friends for as long as I'm just imagining in my mind, you know, she was like, no, I'm not going to kill you, you know, I can't, you're like, you're my friend, I've known you for so long, I can't do it. And and then you hear her begging, please, you know, please, I mean, let's be real, I mean, she could have just, like, jumped out the window or something, like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, she didn't have to make her friend kill her, but I guess she wanted to make sure that she was dead because she doesn't want to live, she doesn't want to become what everyone else becomes in, in this post-apocalyptic world. And so, in my mind, you know, trying to think, like, how Marlene was in that moment, like, because she has this emotional attachment to this woman, this is this is her friend, she had to do it sort of very coldly because if not, you know, she might have never I, – I feel like she worked up the nerve to do it, and that's why she just did it swiftly so that, you know, she wouldn't be tortured over should I do it, should I not, should I do it, should I not, I can't do it, I, I can't do it, I need to do it, she's asked me to do it. And so I, I didn't mind it.
2: Vinny, you were going to yeah, so upon first watch, because I didn't re watch it all the way through a second time, but I did watch some clips again and I kind of sped through it. On my second watch, I realized that I think this was a pivotal moment for Marlene as a character because if we think about it, this is when Ellie was a baby, so what, 10, 16, whatever many years ago. Um, and I think Marlene was heading in the direction of becoming the woman that we know now, but she was still holding on to her humanity, right? You know, so. The Marlene that we know now is able to compartmentalize and do what needs to be done in her mind, what is for the greater good, and we'll talk about that later. But I think the Marlene that we're seeing here now is still a fledgling leader of the Fireflies or is still not cemented in her ability to compartmentalize, because that's what was happening here, you know, anyone that's in a position like of leadership, sometimes you're going to have to make decisions that are absolutely horrendous, and emotionally will impact you if you don't possess the ability to open a door, shove all the emotions in there that you need to get rid of to do what needs to be done, and then you open them in a later time in private when you don't need to function. And so the first time I watched it, I hated it. I thought the acting on her part was terrible. I thought it was very wooden. And I agreed with you, Priscilla. But when I watched it again and I thought about the perspective of, like, if I was in that position, I wouldn't want to kill my friend. But I would realize that my friend's going to slowly become a rotted cordyceps and I'm going to have to kill her anyway and she's asking me to do it and at least I can do but I don't want to so I would have to find a way to shut off my emotions and the easiest way to do that is rip the band-aid off and before you can emotionally react to what you're doing just go and do it and that's how I interpret it the second time and that's what allowed me to not dislike it
1: hmm. Right, uh, like the way you the way you explain it I kind of like I feel where you're coming from now like that that makes sense to me
2: You can thank all the K-dramas that I've been watching because there's a villain in the one that I'm watching that talks about how she does the terrible things that she does, and it's all about compartmentalizing. (laughs) (laughs) Growth.
1: So, all right, continuing on. As Marlene takes back the crying Ellie, we cut back to Ellie in the present day. Ellie's in her own little world as Joel calls out to her, excited to show her that he found some cans of Chef Boyardee he knows she likes and a game of boggle he thought they could play. But while Joel seems almost like an excited puppy showing Ellie his finds, Ellie can hardly muster any excitement, and she's also uncharacteristically quiet. Joel tells her that they're getting close to the hospital, and it may be the one they're looking for. They keep walking down the interstate, and Joel points out that a nearby RV he checked out had a guitar. And while this one was smashed up, Joel thinks that maybe he should find one. He hasn't played in forever, and maybe they could he could teach Ellie. She smiles faintly, and when Joel asks if she'd like to learn how to play the guitar, she's lost in her head again and gives a delayed response, saying, That'd be great. Joel knows something is off with Ellie, but he's not sure what. They made their way into Salt Lake City, and Joel says, He's at what he was thinking, but before Joel can give his plan, Ellie finishes his thoughts, saying they'll get into the building, find a skyscraper, go up it and have a look around. Joel says no, he was thinking of blowing up the rubble in their way with some dynamite that he found in the RV. Ellie looks at him, (laughs) surprised, and he states, just kidding, the plan is to go into the building, find a skyscraper, go up it and have a look around. But even though Joel is more open and joking around, there's still little response from Ellie. They make their way into the building, and Joel says he'll give Ellie a boost to the ladder onto the next floor, a common mechanic found in games. But Ellie isn't paying attention. Joel asks if she's doing okay, noting she's been extra quiet. Ellie apologizes. Joel says it's fine, and they continue on their way as Joel helps Ellie up to the next floor. Ellie grabs the ladder but gets distracted by something and runs away and drops the ladder onto Joel's floor. Joel gets up to the next floor, but Ellie is on the move, telling Joel there's something he has to see. He follows her up several flights and finally catches up to her and then we see what Ellie got so excited about. A giraffe walking around outside. Ellie and Joel stand at the hole that's been blasted out of the building, where the giraffe is eating some nearby leaves. They're both in awe of the moment, and Joel pulls off some leaves for the giraffe to eat, handing some to Ellie. The giraffe eats Ellie's leaves and we see her almost immediately become like a kid again laughing at his black tongue as she feeds him while Joel watches and smiles glad to have this moment with her as the giraffe leaves Ellie chases after her and the pair goes up another flight of stairs out on an overgrown stadium we see a herd of giraffes roaming as Joel and Ellie watch from above as in the second episode infected Joel asks, so is everything is it everything you hope for And Ellie replies, it's got its ups and downs, but you can't deny that view. In the moment, it's as if Joel remembers how far they've come since they shared that moment. Joel says he doesn't know about the hospital, but there's always something bad out there. Ellie says they're still here, though. Joel says he knows, but he's just saying that there's risk and they don't have to do this. Ellie asks what they're supposed to do, and Joel says nothing. They just go back to Tommy's and forget about everything. But Ellie says that after everything they've gone through, after everything she's done, it can't be for nothing. She knows he means well that he's protected her and that when they're done, they'll go wherever Joel wants. Tommy, the sheep ranch, he said he dreamed about, the moon. Ellie will follow wherever Joel wants to go. But there's no halfway with this. They have to finish what they started. Joel accepts this and they head out toward the hospital. And I'm going to pause here and ask. This is like a very scenic moment in the game. So I wanted to know, uh, Vinny, what did you think?
2: Well, you know, this entire season we have been on this, I, I can't think of a better word, even though it wasn't always paced very fast, but they've been on this like breakneck crazed journey to get from point A to point B with like the equivalent of narrative landmines in their path along the way, right? And there's always been an urgency level to get from wherever they are now to the next point, all the way to get where they want to go. So to see them have this nice time to kind of just tootle along was really nice because we didn't get a lot of these moments with them. And to see them just kind of, you know, enjoying each other's company while he was enjoying her, she was distant because of what she just went through, understandably, you know, but the giraffe and just these... These little vignettes that they had before the shit hit the fan for the end of this season was really nice, really heartfelt. And I don't know, I think it was definitely needed because it was kind of like the last calm before the storm of the finale. And it was definitely a storm. So yeah, I thought it was beautifully filmed, well acted and really beautiful.
1: Jeffrey, what did you think about the giraffe scene and maybe about the scene beforehand too, the disturbed, like the quiet
0: scenes? The quiet scenes were incredibly powerful because clearly Ellie is still shooketh, you know, because of everything that happened in the previous episode. And clearly, I mean, she she's she's a kid; she's you know, fourteen years old. So of course she's going to be shaken by what happened. Um, I wish that Joel was a little bit better able to comfort her. Um, also, once again. Uh, Priscilla might hate me for saying this again. I wish we would have known how long it had been. Because I don't think it was, like, just, like, the day before, but it has to be, like, maybe, what, five days after what had happened? I mean, it's still incredibly fresh for Ellie, and, and, um, you know, I mean, what happened to her... On this show, you know, if it were to happen to someone in our present-day world, I mean, they'd be going to therapy for that, you know what I'm saying? And, like, she's living in the post-apocalypse where, I mean, she doesn't really have anyone there to comfort her. I mean, there was a, a really nice line, it's just a hair after where we stopped where Joel does his best to, like, comfort her, but... I mean, it's really all that she got, and I, I just wish that there had been a little bit more of that, because clearly we've seen the bond grow between both of them. He, he, like, sees her almost as, you know, an adoptive daughter, and he's embraced her in that kind of way. He's let down those guard walls that we talked about earlier in the series' run, and he he, like, fully has embraced... You know, this girl that he saw as Cargo, you know, just, you know, one or two episodes into the series. So, I don't know, I just wish that there was a little bit more that he could have done to be there for her. Because, I mean, she clearly was not the same Ellie that he's used to. Um, It was interesting how, like, the juxtaposition was, like, she was the quiet one... And he was the one that was much more loquacious. And and like the inverse was what we saw at the start of the series. Um, So clearly she has affected him in a major way. And that was nice to see with Joel. As far as like the majesty of, uh, you know, I guess uh, a big city zoo run amok in the post-apocalypse. That was magical to see. I mean it was a really sweet, innocent, pure moment that was just positively wonderful like completely unexpected for me as someone who has never played the game so to see it and to see them take the time out to give us a little bit of a breather which i think also ellie needed as well it was was really nice it was wonderfully acted by both of our leads i'm gonna say like
1: i was on a forum and the whole damn time they were like where are giraffes we need our giraffes (laughs) like because it's such a beautiful moment in the game and for some reason i switched around when it comes out like i thought it was at the very beginning of the game because i remember my uh husband playing it and just being like oh that's really pretty is it and this is a zombie game why is there like why is there such a moment of beauty here But now I kind of get why it was placed at the end. Because Ellie's been through hell. And you can tell from the beginning of the episode that, like, she's been affected. The whole time I I was just watching her and how quiet she was, how different she is from, like, the little chatterbox that would not shut up. And would always have, like, something smartass to say or would have, like, I don't know, would bring up a book of porn out of nowhere. Like, or her joke book and would always have like something smart to say and now she's like in her own little world like i think she's flashing back to like what she has to do with david and like what they've had to do like just to get to that place like all the bad shit that's happened all the deaths all the lives like so it's just it's it's changed her it's made her grow up so little things like boggle or guitar lesson or Chef Boyardee like none of that is phasing her none of that's getting to her even what even though Joel's like trying his best like to I don't know cajole her out of her like doldrums like it's just it's not working and I love the fact that like Joel is even trying because you know like before I completely agree with you he saw her as cargo he saw her as, like, a burden, uh, a responsibility that he was going to do just to, like, make a quick buck or, like, to satisfy a vow that he made to Tess. But now he sees her as a daughter, so he's trying to, like, make her happy. He's trying to, like, be a dad, and it's just it's not working because she's closed off. Like, I feel also, like, it's not that she's closed off Because of the tragedy that she's gone through. It's also because like. I think in the back of her mind. She knows what's going to happen in the hospital. That she knows that like. She may or may not come out of this alive. Like it might not be just like blood. Or and she might not be able to stay with Joel. Like the reality of the situation. Is kind of hitting her. But that's just me like wishful thinking. Thinking that like maybe she might have known. And been able to consent. Or do something like that. But uh, like I'm not sure. All all I can say at this point is that like she's affected by the world around her, by the tragedy that she's had to go through. Whether or not like it's that she she knew the like the consequences of her actions and getting to here and like what it might have to come to is left to the viewer. And for me, I think she knew. But I'm not sure. Do you guys think that like she kind of like maybe knew that she might be dying at this point?
2: I think she was just completely defeated. You know, in the sense of it's just been nonstop and they're getting so... Maybe defeated isn't the right word, but deflated is what I'm looking for. She's been through so much to get here. And now that they're almost there, there's this... I don't necessarily think that she knew she was probably going to have to die. I think she was just... Admitting to herself, like, there is no knowing what's coming and we've been going through so much shit that there's probably just more shit ahead of us at the end, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Jeffrey, did you think she was going to die? Like, or that she knew she was going to die?
0: I don't think so. Just because she's a child and I don't think she thought in that way. You know, remember, she was the one that was like, she cut herself and tried to rub, uh, you know, the wound with her blood. So I don't think she thought that. I don't want to jump too far ahead, so I'm going to say this without jumping too far ahead. My wish, after seeing stuff that happened later, is I wish that they would have spent a little bit of time in the peace and tranquility of it all during these moments, where Joel would have asked a serious, like, couple of questions to her, like... You know, what do you think is going to happen? What happens if, you know, this, that, or the other? Do you want them to, you know, if if you have to die for the cure, like, is that what you want to do? Like, I really wish that they would have done something like that. I'm going to assume that it was not in the game, and so that's why they didn't translate it to the screen. But I wish that they would have at least allowed Joel to sort of understand, almost like, you know, um, like a DNR type of situation. You know, I don't want to be hooked up to a machine, you know, pull the plug, and that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like he should have asked those questions, because uh, clearly, um, a lot of stuff that happened later, uh, you know, we at least would have known that those were, like, Ellie's uh, requests, you know, just in case whatever happens happens, you know?
1: That's true. But... I'll give you my response once it comes down to the, the the time okay, so for for now well let's let's continue on ahead and say that on their way to the me- they find an outdoor medical center that has been abandoned and torn to pieces. Joel says this wasn't Fedra. this was the army who put up these emergency medical camps the day after the outbreak. Joel says they put him in a place like this, and Ellie asks if he was there with Sarah and Joel says no she was gone already just the fact that he's now willing to talk about Sarah with Ellie so openly shows how deeply he cares for her Ellie asks what's wrong with him what was wrong with him and Joel says that it was for the scar next to his temple Ellie mentions what Joel said before that that it was from the guy who shot and missed and that she figured it would have happened later but Joel says nope it happened on the second day and he was the guy who shot and missed Joel and Ellie sit down, and Joel says there's no story. Sarah died, and he couldn't see the point anymore. Simple as that. And he wasn't scared. He was ready. He couldn't have been more ready. When he went to pull the trigger, he flinched, and he still doesn't know why. Joel gets ready to tell Ellie why he's telling her this, but Ellie says she knows why. Then Ellie says time heals all wounds, I guess. And Joel responds, it wasn't time that did it, and they both understand that Joel meeting Ellie is what finally helped heal the wound. Joel wipes away his tears, and Ellie looks at him, understanding how much she finally, she finally means to him. Changing the tone as they move on, Joel says he's in the mood for shitty puns, and Ellie's prepared with her No Pun Intended Volume 2 book. As Ellie tells her terrible jokes and Joel critiques them, we see men moving behind them and Joel and Ellie realize a flashbang has been thrown at this moment too late. The men take Ellie and knock Joel out with the butt of a gun. So I'm going to say this scene wasn't in the video game. So we're getting brand new takes both from Vinny and from Jeffrey. So I'd like to start off with you, Jeffrey. What did you think?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so they just stroll in and are welcomed <laughs> with uh, your smiles?
1: Uh, they, you go through, like, scenes where, like, you're going through, like, melee and through, like, two bloaters and stuff like that. But once you finally reach, like, the hospital again, like, you get knocked out and it turns
0: into something like that. Oh, okay, Interesting. I did read a critique online where some people were like, there weren't that many zombies in the show. Like, there are so many moments in the game where you have to fight the zombies, and that's the coolest part of the game. But, um, like, yeah, that's the cool part of the game. But it would get so redundant on the series. At least that's just my opinion about the situation. But uh, this scene was really well done. I, I sort of discussed a little bit of what was discussed uh, the, the last time I, I chatted about it. So just to expand upon everything else, finding out that Joel, like, pretty much tried to commit suicide because of the death of his daughter, I was like, whoa. That, I did not see that coming. Um, the, the fact that that turned into a bit of a bonding moment, uh, you know, where he did, you know, actually give her some... Words in regards to, I mean, he basically was like, I don't really know what happened to you, but I know it was traumatic because you've been acting differently. And no, you know, time doesn't really heal that wound, but at times, you know, the people that you meet and the, um, the glimpses of humanity in the world it is what will, you know fix that, basically, is what he sort of said. And I sort of said it in a weird, awkward kind of way. But in essence, that's kind of what he's saying. Uh I mean, it was a nice little moment for her because clearly she has been shaken by everything. And so just that, and also the reassurance from him that he cares about her, you know, she changed his life. Uh, you know, he hopes that he's changed her life. Like, it, you know, it was just a nice little... I mean, for lack of a better word, father-daughter bonding moment. It was ruined by the kaboom, but, you know, what can you do? Uh, they didn't know who they were. Although, you know, seeing a, a basically a father and a child uh, saying jokes to each other, I mean, they didn't really seem that dangerous. <laughs> you know, did you really have to... You know, flash grenade them and then, you know, bump him in the head, nearly concuss him. I I don't know. Maybe that was a little too extreme. But they don't know who they are. So I guess I understand. I understand the situation. Uh, But, yeah, I I thought it was a really good transition into, basically all that happens next.
1: Vinny, your thoughts on this father-daughter bonding moment?
2: Well, the father-daughter bonding moment was great. You know, I think we're, we're reaching the point of no return. We're about to get to the hospital and the fireflies and all that. So that was good. I think I'm going to be the person one here, though, and say that the flashbang and the gun over the head and all that stuff, it felt cheap to me um, because of the simple fact that one of the things that we talked about with this finale is that it's shorter than expected. Um, I feel like of all the episodes, this should have been an hour at least. And I felt like this was a very cheap transition from where they were on the journey to get them to where they needed to be to set up the final moments in the mall that we were headed towards. I didn't like it. Um, I thought it was kind of stupid because the Fireflies seemed to be a relatively decently organized organization. And if Marlene is there, which we find out that she is here in a bit, Why wouldn't she have informed her patrols to always, it just seemed against her character not to have everyone on patrol for her aware and on the lookout for these two. So it felt like, hey, we got to cut corners because we're only doing 45 minutes or whatever for this episode. So let's cut the part of how they get there and how they get into the hospital and just flash bang and then he wakes up. So I didn't really care for this part, but I'm okay being the detractor if I am.
1: See, I was okay with it because it follows the game in that, like, they get knocked out and go to the hospital. And it follows logic in that they probably did know that Joel was there, was getting there with Ellie. And he had to be, like, if he had if he had any sort of attachment to the girl, he had to be taken away from the situation, like, right away. So a part of it makes sense to me, like, if he's a cold guy, he's not gonna care if you knocked him out, so long as like you give him what he's owed. If he is attached to her, then you're stopping like a possible bad outcome with him, like saying, "Hey, you're not you're you're gonna kill her?" Like, no. So it it makes sense to me, emergency wise, why they did that. But I totally get you, Vinny. It's probably more than likely because they needed a swift transition from Mm -hmm. the outside to the hospital. So the butt of a narrative.
2: It would have been better to flesh this out. I would have actually liked to seen them like get there and because I get what you're saying and I agree. You know, it it probably was a calculated move. But I I think that's something that the general public, not everyone's going to immediately make that connection. And if they're doing a show, I feel like they should have taken advantage. This wasn't a great place to cut the narrative and make it match the video game.
1: Yeah, I I, I get where you're coming from. I'm also going to say, just like, for me, father-daughter moments are like the the pinnacle of TV. Like, if you want to make me, like, cry, you put on a father-daughter moment. And that scene where he's like, it wasn't time that did it. Like, oh, God, like, I we like, I'm getting for talk amongst yourselves. This is beautiful. Like, oh, God, I was my heart was squeezing so hard at that moment. I was just like, Joel, you are now her like foster dad. That is beautiful. Ah, oh, like I, I was just in awe of this moment. It wasn't in the video game, so it was completely brand new information for me and i felt like it was necessary there cuz it gives joel a bit of humanity and especially for what happens later like it it's a foil like this guy that's so soft for this little girl that like treats her like he's like he's her father the one that laughs at her jokes and and is rating them like from a 1 to 10 and is always like here's a, it's a 3 or it's a 5 Like, that's what I came here to see. Like, you don't, I get the people that are complaining that, like, we don't get to see the bloaters. We don't get to see him shooting up zombies. And I'm like, but the whole point of shows like The Walking Dead or um, The Last of Us or the other, um, I forgot the other show. But the one with the pandemic where it's a flu that's also on HBO. Like, it's, they're not about what's killing you, they're not about the zombies, they're about the humanity, the the moments, like, set in between. So, mo- moments like these are very powerful, and they, they move you when, when you're actually paying attention and being a good TV watcher. So, I loved it. I was, like, completely on board with this. Continuing on, when Joel wakes up, the first thing he sees is a Firefly logo. And then he hears, welcome to the fireflies. It's Marlene and Joel is laying in the hospital room. Marlene says the patrol didn't know who they were, hands a gun to the head. Joel asks where Ellie is, and Marlene says she isn't hurt and that she was mostly worried about Joel. He asks Marlene again, and she deflects again, asking how Joel was able to get Ellie across the country. Joel says it was all her, and Marlene praises him, saying she would have been dead on day one. She says Joel is the one person she never wanted to be in debt to, but Marlene owes him. They all do. But when Joel asks to see Ellie again, Marlene says he can't. She's being prepped for surgery. Marlene says the doctor thinks the cordyceps have grown with her since birth and that it doesn't attack her because it also thinks she's cordyceps, which is why she's immune. The doctor is going to remove it from her, multiply the cells in the lab, and produce the chemical messengers that have kept Ellie alive all this time. He believes that it could actually be a cure. Yet all that sticks with Joel is the idea of Ellie going into surgery and his realization that cordyceps grows inside the brain. Marlene agrees, and while she doesn't say it, Ellie will save the world, but she'll die in the process. Joel tells Marlene to find someone else, but Marlene says there is no one else. But they didn't tell Ellie what was happening and that she won't feel any pain. Joel demands to be taken to see her, but a firefly hits him with a gun, knocking him on all fours. Joel begs, saying, please, that Marlene doesn't understand. Marlene says she does understand. She was there when Ellie was born, and she promised her mother that she'd save her child. Marlene is the only one that understands, and she apologizes, but she has no other choice. But Joel states that he does have a choice. Realizing what he means by this, Marlene tells the Fireflies to take him to the highway, leave him with his pack, and give him Ellie's switchblade. If Joel tries anything, they should shoot him, as the men lead him away. So I'm going to pause here, even though I know, like, we're getting to the juicy bit. But at this beginning to the climax, what did you think? And I'm going to start
2: with you, Vinny. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I've had all day to think about this, but again, I think we are dealing with economy of time. I didn't hate it, but I wanted more, right? Like I wanted more of kind of a confrontation about this. Um, But for what we got, it was good. I mean, we knew that there was something bad that was going to happen inevitably because almost every single time they get somewhere, something some kind of shit goes down. Uh, and I think the way that Joel woke up and he was kind of coming out of his fog and he began to grasp what Marlene was saying, it definitely played up the ramp up of what was about to happen. Really, really great on his part. I once again kind of found Marlene a little like off, not bad, but I, and I can't put my finger on it, but there was just something off to me about the performance. One thing I will say though, is she's deluding herself. Like you can't sit there and say, I promised her dead mother that I killed after her baby was born and she was eaten or bit that I would save her, you know, and, and really think that you're saving her because you're not. So I, you know, it, it's, I know that she realizes she's not saving and she's trying to project this whole thing of, oh, I'm going against my promise and all that. I didn't buy the guilt. I didn't buy the. The regret at what she was about to do for me it didn't strike as genuine um but that aside this was a horrific experience for him to wake up and have to suddenly deal with realizing that everything that they've done has basically been to put her up on a silver platter for sacrifice so in that emotional tone it did hit hard i, I think what it boils down to is i felt for joel i didn't feel much at all from marlene um, but For what we got, it served the purpose. It was acted great by Pedro. Marlene kind of did what she had to do. um, And it was, you know, we really are where the fuse is about to be lit and shit's about to blow up. So I wanted more. I think there could have been some more, you know, writing done and more discussion between him and Marlene. I would have liked to see that because, again, this is a translation from game to screen. And they, ha- they should have had the time to flesh some more things out. It just seemed like a weird choice that they didn't flesh this out a little bit more. It felt rushed to me. But that aside, like I said, for what we got, it was good. And it got us to where we needed to go.
1: So, Benny thinks it's scant and too little. But it was still, like, enough to satisfy him for the time being. Uh, Jeffrey, what about you? What did you think?
0: That sounded like he was satisfied? I'm just, I'm just that was just asking. He will never be satisfied. Nah. <laughs> okay, so I hear what Vinny is saying, and I will say this to cosign with at least a, a teeny 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 tiny little bit of what Vinny just said. This was a forty-five minute episode. They could have expanded. It like a hair more with some more exposition. You know, the scene that I mentioned earlier, maybe a little bit more expositiony talky stuff between Marlene and Joel would have been a little bit interesting at this point. Um, so I, I will agree with Finny on that. But outside of that, because this is once again a shoulda, coulda, woulda type of situation. I didn't mind it. Uh, I liked Marlene. I mean, I, um, I mean, she's doing necessarily a bad thing because she's going to kill Ellie, you know. To but she's trying to save the world, so I can't really hate her that much. Um, part of me is like, should Ellie have known? Uh, should she have not? I think at the end of the day, you know, she is a teen that is an orphan. Basically, she does not have parents and we're living in a fucked up world where mushroom people and it's not toad from Mario mushroom people are killing people. She should have been told the truth and it should have been up to her whether what what she would have decided to do with her body. It is her body. She should be able to make the choice. Yes, hashtag pro choice listeners. Um so yeah, like it the onus should have been on her Um, At the end of the day, there are a whole bunch of military people there. Well, they're not really military, but they're, you know... Guerrilla Warfare people there. The Fireflies that have weaponry and that sort of stuff. So they, they could have forced her to have done it. And then, you know, the Fireflies would have been seen like the enemies. And maybe that might have been a better way to do it. Since I'm assuming this is how it went down in the game... Maybe a little bit more exposition would have been nice. But for what we got up to this point... I was okay with the interpretation on, uh, I was about to say the big screen, but I guess the small screen is what is the appropriate terminology.
1: So I have a lot of problems with this scene. For one, I completely agree with Vinny. It felt like the notes that they gave the actress for Marlene, like, she was kind of like, she wasn't acting along she wasn't acting with Joel she was acting alongside Joel is what is kind of what I got the feel of that she was yes,
2: that's kinda, exactly
1: it. she's kind of like a wall was being is built between them like she wasn't reacting to the fact that like he was literally like begging her and that he looked like conflicted and hurt and just like I want my daughter like she just was very cold. And I get why she was doing that because she's trying to detach herself from the moment and be the Firefly leader but it's not what the moment of TV required I should say. Like she, we needed more. We needed something to see that this really was affecting her as much as it was affecting Joel that like she actually gives a shit about the fact that her best friend's daughter is about to be like put on the slab so to speak like but it, it just it didn't come out that way from the actress and I don't know if it was because the director asked her to do that if it was her choice or if it was an acting choice but I I think it was a bad choice furthermore to like go further in on this like she's like I know what you're feeling like I'm like no you don't because if you knew what it felt like you would have been Ellie's mom you would have raised her but you didn't you gave her up to the enemy to the to the group that you don't even stand to like anymore. You gave her up to a federal orphanage so she would grow up to be, like, at worst, like, the opposition or someone that one of your mooks is going to take out at some point as a captain. So why would, you, why would you say you, like, know what he feels? You don't know what he feels. You're just trying to make yourself feel better. But it's a very utilitarian, like, argument that, like, the needs of the many affect are more, like, effective than the needs of the one, of the individual. So, like, she, she's okay with getting rid of Ellie if it means, like, she has to break a promise because it's the savement of humanity. But the funny thing is, as someone who played the game who was like, the Fireflies are like, messed up. like they they're not organized. They're just kind of like everywhere. and the people that like are saved by the fireflies are just like there' there's just as many people that are killed by the fireflies. It's just it's it it seems like a very hodgepodge group. They don't know what the hell they're doing. So I complete like the funny thing is, like I read up from an ask me anything thread with a mycologist, which is like somebody who studies fungi. And he's a PhD and he's like, if it were me and I got Ellie, the first thing I would do would be like to titrate her blood to see like what messengers she has that like uh send the signal that she's not cordycep that that she's cordyceps and give that to them. Like she wouldn't have to die. So it, the the fact that they're like, No, we need to to look into this further, we need to dissect her and dissect the cordyceps. I'm like, how Would you know that it would stay alive within lab like variants? Like, how would you know that it wouldn't just die once it hits air? Like, things like that just make me think like this doctor doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's just, he's just going off of a hunch. And that's like, do you really want your daughter for Joel, in Joel's perspective here, to die because of a hunch? To people that you don't even know whether or not they're going to give the vaccine to everybody or whether they're going to use it, like, as a power structure being, like, if you join the Fireflies, you get to get the vaccine. And if you stay with Fedra, well, screw you, you don't get anything. And for that matter, is there any infrastructure to make the vaccine? Because that, like, takes time and, like, takes years to get a vaccine to come to the U.S., like... Dude, would that even work in these, in the apocalypse? Like there's just too many like variants here, variables. So I completely see why Joel does what he does next. Like it's just, it's logical. So to get to that point. The two men push Joel along through the hospital as Joel seems to be trying to figure out what his next move is. As they walk down the stairs, Joel stops, hits one of the men, grabs the gun, and shoots the other. He then shoots the second man in the leg and asks where Ellie is. When the man responds, fuck you, Joel says he doesn't have time for this and shoots the man in the head. Joel grabs his bag, Ellie's knife, and some ammo from the dead soldier as Joel works his way through the hospital, shooting every living person he sees, determined to find Ellie. Joel doesn't ask questions, he doesn't even accept when people surrender, he simply makes his way through the hospital, shooting, stabbing, and making sure there's no one left to get in the way. It's a massacre, and a reminder of the man that Joel used to be before Ellie was around. Finally, Joel finds the pediatric surgery section of the hospital, and he sees Ellie through the window as she's being given anesthesia and getting prepped for surgery. The doctor and the nurses haven't heard Joel enter as he demands they unhook her, but the doctor grabs a scalpel saying he won't let him take her. But Joel doesn't hesitate and shoots the doctor in the head. Joel then tells the nurses to unhook her, and once they're done, he tells them to turn around. Joel gently picks up Ellie and carries her out of the operating room into the elevator. He's got her. She's safe. They can make it to the parking garage, but Marlene is waiting for him. She says Joel can't keep her safe forever as Marlene holds a gun on her. No matter how many people he kills, she's going to grow up and he'll die or she'll leave. And what then? How long before she dies in this broken world that she could have saved? Joel says maybe, but it isn't for Marlene to decide. But Marlene counters, or you, and asks what Ellie would decide because Marlene thinks she would want to do what's right. And Marlene says Joel knows this. At that moment, it's like Joel remembers her saying it can't all be for nothing. And Marlene says it's not too late. They could still find a way. Joel looks at the unconscious Ellie in his arms and then we cut to Joel driving down the road. At first it seems like he might be alone, but then we hear Ellie waking up in the back seat. Joel says it's all right that she's with him and that the drugs are still wearing off. Ellie asks what drugs and Joel says there were running tests on her and some others. Joel lies and says it turns out there are more immune people like her, dozens of them. Joel says the doctors couldn't make it work. As Joel continues his life, we cut back. To the parking garage where we see that Joel ended up shooting Marlene. Back in the car, Joel says that the fireflies have stopped looking for a cure. Ellie asks where her clothes are as she's still in the hospital gown and Joel again lies saying that Pat raiders attacked the hospital and he barely got her out. Ellie asks if people were hurt and Joel finally tells the truth simply saying yes. When Ellie asks if Marlene is okay, he avoids the question, saying he's taking them home. As she goes back to sleep, Joel says, I'm sorry. So, without getting into the specifics of, of what happened to Marlene, because that's another part that we'll discuss in a little bit. What did you think about this barrage of just, like,
0: violence?
1: And I'm going to start with you, Jeffrey.
0: Oh, it was awesome. It was like a, a match of Fortnite. You know, you kill, you know, the other squads. You take their guns and you use their guns to kill other people. Um this was very much a a game um inspired feeling section of uh, the episode and it was spectacularly brutal in every way possible as it should be. I mean he is uh, he's Rambo, he's Commando, he's uh you know every hero trying, he's taken, you know. You know, I will find you, and I will kill you. That's basically what he was doing. My favorite part was when the dude was, like, not giving any information. He's like, oh, fuck this shit, I'm wasting time. Bam! Spectacular. Now, one thing that I did read that it was kind of interesting is that apparently in the game, he kills everybody in that operating room. Like, he kills the doctor and the nurses. And on the show, he didn't, which leads me to believe that... You know, even though he was a bit of a killing machine because he wanted to save Ellie, that bit of humanity that's grown in him over the past season with Ellie is still there. Because, I mean, the nurses didn't do anything. I don't know what that doctor was thinking he was going to do with that scalpel. But anyway, Um, he ends up saving her. Part of me, and and I know Priscilla, you said to bookmark it that you're going to give your response as to, like, why... What I want isn't necessary. But in my mind, I still feel like we should have had a conversation as to what Ellie would have wanted. I know at the end of the day, what we saw was a man trying to save his daughter. You know, he's being told that she's going to die. He has developed this bond with her. There's this love there that he has not experienced in 20 years. And he did not want to let go of that. So he's doing... The best that he can to protect his child. I get it. I just wish that we would have had at least a bit of... You know, just a a, a glimpse of an idea... As to what Ellie would have wanted. Because I think that would have added to... Maybe, like, added a couple of layers to what Joel did. You know, was it what Ellie would have wanted? Was it going against what Ellie would have wanted? Was it a bit of a selfish act? You know, a parent trying to save their child in that kind of way? Would Ellie have wanted him to save her? Like, you know, I I think it would have added an extra layer to it. That would have been just a hair richer for me the lie i know we're going to get more into the lie a little bit later on i'm going to assume the lie is a part of the game i'm still torn on whether i approve of the lie or not and since we're going to expand upon that in a few moments i will uh i'll see if i can formulate an opinion with the gemini's in my brain to see if i am okay with the lie or if i hated the lie so yes back to you priscilla (laughs)
1: <laughs> so a Gemini I'm not sure from Jeffrey. <laughs> Vinny you usually have a more staunch opinion what did you think
2: if you've ever wondered what it would be like to watch Vinny play a stealth game Joel's scene in the hospital was what ends up happening I end up saying fuck it I grab a crowbar a gun whatever I just blow through everybody uh, so as Jeff said this is definitely a scene that pulls right from a, 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 any video game. Uh, I, it's just going to make me sound like a horrible person, but that's okay. I've already reserved my place. Now I loved the slaughter fest. It needed to happen because the fireflies are a bunch of bullshit. This whole thing about, we've got to kill her and blah, 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 blah. As you were saying, Priscilla, I don't buy it. I think it was a rush decision on what they were going to do. And, you know, I, I think that one, a great retort that Joel could have had to Marlene is like, yeah, well, do you 100% know that cutting her head open and getting her brain is going to allow you to manufacture a cure? So these, these people needed to die. It was a stupid, far-fetched, lack of confirmation theory about needing to kill her to do it. And... I think there were other avenues. I think they were rushing to get this to do it because they were so desperate for a cure that they weren't thinking scientifically Um, because it was really stupid that the same day that they get there, they're rushing her into surgery. That was really stupid. Any doctor or scientist in their right mind will tell you that you analyze, you examine, and you hypothesize, and then you act. The world has already gone to shit. Why are you rushing? Uh, So that aside, I think that... What happened needed to happen, I think it was really well done, the way that he kind of plowed through, and we'll talk about the Marlene of it all momentarily. Um, But I think the interaction between him and Marlene was full of arrogance on her part, you know, I think she had a little bit of a minor martyr complex. She was convinced that she was doing the right thing, that's how she justified what she was doing to Ellie, but it was on very flimsy ground. And Joel was like, yeah, psychotic about it. But at the same time, he was desperate to save this girl. You know, she she could live. She could have a life. And if it were up to me, if I was in an apocalyptic scenario and it was either sacrifice this girl that I'm taking care of and I've traveled with and I've gotten to know on the possibility of saving everyone or let the world stay in the shitter and get her freedom to live, then that's what I would go with. You know, I think that he made the right decision. It makes me a horrible person, but it needed to happen.
1: See, the thing, like, you kind of get the hint that this was going to happen when before he's like, I won't let you, or, like, like that, that little hint, that little thing that he says, like, that moment with Marlene, like, I think he kind of had already made up his mind that, like, He's going to Frank Castle this shit and go on a massacre against, like, this this small community and just fuck everything up to get to her. Because the thing is, he's already lived in a world where he lost his daughter and he was already going to kill himself at that moment, but he didn't. And luckily, he learned to heal his wounds through Ellie, his second daughter. And now to realize that he's gonna like have to live that moment again knowing that he could have stopped it the same way he could have stopped his first daughter from dying had he been a little bit more faster more clever quicker something but he didn't like it would kill him all over again he'd want he'd want to die and he just burn the world and save the most important piece of it no questions asked he's going to do that so when you see him walking and when you see him flash to look at the side, at the sign that says like the directions for the hospital. And when it says like surgery, pediatric surgery, like the floors, I was like, he is, he's mapping the situation out. He's going to go and he's going, to he's going to try and get her. Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, he's, he's going to massacre everyone. So when he uses as funny as, and as like apropos as it is, he uses Ellie's knife to kill the first guy, and then he shoots the other one after the man like just doesn't respond and he just says "fuck you." Like, oh, I loved it. I completely agree with Jeffrey. I love that moment where he's like, "I just want. I don't have time for this bullshit. I gotta, I gotta get to Ellie." Also, I'm gonna clarify a situation here. Uh Jeffrey said that he read that the nurses like he kills them all in the game, or like that. He had but the point of the the that point at that point in the game you have the choice to kill the nurses or not you have the choice uh. so. I remember watching with my husband and my husband fucking, he, he killed the nurses and I was like, why? They're not <laughs> doing anything. He's like, they can, they, they can follow after her. I, I'm like, and they're complicit in this. I can't let them die. I can't let them live. And I Lots like, of there
2: was a way for Ellie to find out he left witnesses.
1: Exactly. So I don't know. I, I just, it's. The uh, all I'm gonna say as to hints as to what's gonna happen is that the the doctor had to hold up the scalpel because they Joel had to have a reason to kill him. Like he's gonna be important for the next season. So I'm just gonna also say that Marlene's thing. Completely agree. Total bullshit. Like it. She was. It was making herself feel better by saying like, uh, "What would Ellie want? You know what she would want." I'm like. Well, no, you don't, bitch, because you put her to sleep before asking her if she'd be okay with dying for the cause. Like, if this were true, you would have let her, like, I don't know, write a note to Joel saying, like, I'm sorry, but, like, we have to do this. Like, sign her, like, DNR, so to speak. But, again, that's the beauty of this moment. That... It's so up in the air that you don't know what Ellie would want. And furthermore, does it even matter what Ellie wants? Because this is the reason why we don't let kids sign DNRs. Because they're just not, like, emotionally ready to handle situations like that. Like, that's why we let our the parents decide what they're going to do. And in this case, Joel is the only one that's, like, the parent in this situation. As much as Marlene's like, no, I'm like her mother. No, you're not. You didn't raise her joel Joe basically like made her survive and like treated her like his daughter and he's the only one that apparently gives a shit about her and w- is willing to sacrifice the world for her so he's the only one that gets to decide whether or not like she'll live or she'll die like it I completely was like down for this like argument and that's that's the point I was gonna get across that like it's important for Ellie not for us not to know what Ellie would have wanted because at this point it doesn't really matter what she would have wanted the point here is to look at Joel and what he wants at this moment and whether it's to burn the world or save his daughter like it's it's the 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 proof is in the pudding he's gonna he's gonna do that so he doesn't have to live without her again and I loved the fact that Joel play uh, Peter Pascal played Joel so much differently than, uh, Troy Baker plays Joel. Cause maybe it's a problem with the fact that like, as much as Naughty Dog has like great, um, like people working on producing like digital like micro expressions in like the characters and Troy Baker like acted his heart out playing Joel. When you're playing him, he's kind of like. The Terminator just going through things like he's just very blank faced whereas when you see Peter Pascal it's kind of like he looks like it's hurting him to do this like he he does look like he's determined to save Ellie and he, it, he does look like a tough guy but a part of him looks super conflicted the entire time like he knows he's doing a bad thing but it doesn't matter he knows that he is fucking up but he has to do this, otherwise, like, it just goes against what he is as a man, what he is as a father. And I thought that he played it with such pathos, like he just he did a really good job. I I preferred how the live action, how how the TV version played it, and for the small screen, Peter Pascal did an amazing job there. And when Joel says like little things like and in, in the car when he asked if pe- when ellie asked if people were hurt and she he goes yes and when he goes i'm sorry like it's little things like that or he's uh he's trying to in his own way to assuage the situation to explain to ellie that like yes people died but they had to because you have to live and like she doesn't see that but we as viewers do and ah oh, it's it's great it's such like angst and melancholiness and i love it it's great so um back in the garage we see joel put ellie in the car but marlene isn't dead joel goes to her where she's bleeding out from a shot to the gut marlene pleads with joel asking him to let her go but with the same determination that marlene had when killing anna joel says you just come after her and shoots her in the head Joel and Ellie get all the way back to Wyoming before the car dies. As Joel says the car got them close enough and they start to walk that 5-hour hike to their destination. As they walk, Joel reminisces about how he and Sarah used to take hikes all the time. Now Joel can't quite can't quit talking about Sarah. He's finally completely open. But Ellie is quiet once more and we can tell she's still mulling over the situation over what happened in Salt Lake City. Joel says Sarah would have liked Ellie. But they're definitely different ellie asks how so and joel says sarah was girly taller and she had a killer smile joel makes sure ellie knows this doesn't make either one of them better making sure ellie knows that doesn't mean that she also doesn't have a great smile almost like a father ensuring both his daughters that he loves them equally but joel says that sarah would have liked ellie because she's funny that ellie would have made sarah laugh Joel thinks he think- says he thinks Ellie would have liked her back, and Ellie agrees she probably would have, but Ellie still seems uneasy around Joel now. As they keep walking, they see Jackson in the distance, and while Joel seems happy to be at their new home, Ellie seems almost worried about the situation she's now in. Joel keeps going, but Ellie stops him. Ellie tells Joel about the time she first killed someone, that when she got bitten at the mall, she admits she wasn't alone, that her best friend Riley was there too, and she got bit too. They didn't know what to do, and Riley said they could just wait it out, be all poetic, and just lose their minds together. Riley did, and Ellie had to kill her. Ellie says that her friend's name was Riley and that she was the first to die. And then it was Tess, and then it was Sam. Joel says none of that's on her, that life sometimes doesn't work out the way we hope, and that sometimes things must come to an end, and you don't know what to do next. But if you just keep going, you find something new to fight for. But Ellie cuts Joel off, asking him to swear to her, swear to her that everything he said about the fireflies is true. Joel swears it's true without hesitation. As Gustavo Santo Alaya's gorgeous score swells in this integral moment for this relationship, we close in on Ellie's face as she tries to figure out if he's telling the truth or lying. And regardless whether she should continue to follow him now that the journey is seemingly done. But Ellie accepts Joel's answer, nods, and says, okay, as the episode and the first season comes to a heartbreaking end. So, with that, the ending, Jeffrey, and now with, like, your knowledge of what, why I think that Ellie, Ellie's decision should, like, Ellie's opinion shouldn't have been put in. What did you think about this ending?
0: I still disagree, which is fine. Different opinions. We're here to give our opinions. It, it's Okay. Um, but I, I mean, like I said, I mean, I understand it's supposed to be from his POV. He wanted to save his daughter, so, so I get that. I still wish, like, I, I I wish, which maybe we'll get the answer at some point, because let's be real, secrets always come to the surface, on in real life, as well as on television shows, so, yeah, that's gonna end up happening at some point, this is gonna completely bite Joel in the ass, um, better than a cordyceps biting him in the ass, I guess, but, okay, so the Marlene of it all. I completely understood why Joel had to kill her. His uh, justification is a truthful one. I mean, you're just going to keep on looking for us. So, uh, bang bang, as uh, Jesse J once said famously in a song. So, So there was that. The lie. Alright, the lie bothers me. Because... You know, we've spent this time where they have bonded, and they see each other, you know, as parent and child. And, I mean, it's not to say parents don't lie to their children, but there's something about this lie that I feel could affect this relationship. I feel like she's seen enough and she's old enough, even though, yes, she's still a kid. But she's a teenager. She's 14. She's been through a whole lot over the past couple of years. She has been forced to grow up. She's killed people. She should know the truth. And um, I'm just very worried that this beautiful little father-daughter relationship that they have is going to be... Um, completely knocked over and flipped upside down and all that kind of stuff. Because, clearly, the truth will come out at some point. I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when. My guess is that Joel is going to tell her. Or she's going to be like, you know what, I looked into your eyes, remember, that day, and I knew you were lying. But I I kept on going with you because of whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I hope... The truth comes out because it needs to come out. Um, as we've learned through soap operas the and K-dramas, the truth will always be revealed. So I know it's going to come out. I'm just worried as to how it's going to come out and how it's going to affect the relationship. Um, I was more so surprised with how the season ended with just the okay and then the fades to black. I wish that we would have had just a little bit more just because I wanted more. It was a 45-minute episode and, like, Seven minutes of that was the prologue. We had, what, like, maybe three minutes of end credits, and the opening credits were, like, two minutes of what? There was, like, maybe, like, 30 minutes worth of episode. So I I wanted more. I wanted more, more, more. So uh, there was that. The conversation before all of that where they're talking about my daughter and, like, y'all would have been friends, and, you know, he kept on complimenting his daughter, but I'm like, I'm not trying to diss you. You're great, too. That, to me, was a little awkward-ish. I didn't really understand it. I don't know if that's in the game, so I don't know if that's, like, a verbatim situation from the game. But it was, um... It was Hella Ox. And, uh... Yeah, like, I really didn't understand what Joel was trying to do in that situation at all. In my mind, I'm like, he's just trying to, like, give her so much word salad so that she doesn't ask the big question. But she ended up asking the big question anyway. Oh, and where did she get those clothes? Anyway... (laughs)
1: <laughs> she pulled him off a of dead cordyceps. I don't know.
0: Yes.
1: Oh, that's, that's very true. And they seem very clean clothes, too. So I guess she pulled them off of, like, I don't know, some house or something. <laughs>
2: Vinny, what did you think? Well, first, I have a question for Jeffrey. You said that you don't know when and you don't know how. But do you think something's starting right now? I'm not going to sing the rest of it. You know yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am with Jeff on the ox, and I kind of wanted more out of the ending. The ending kind of fell flat for me. Um, this has been such a monumental season. I started out not really happy with the casting. I started out kind of bored. And then it reached a point where I was, like, really along for the ride, and I've enjoyed the last few episodes. And this is this episode kind of had me swaying back and forth, and it kind of ended on a whimper for me. Obviously, it's a whimper that's going to have massive ramifications. I also don't agree with the lie. I think it was stupid. I think it was dumb and cowardly. Uh, it would be one thing if Ellie did not already know what type of person Joel was. It would be another thing if... Ellie was not so desperate to have people in her life that stay alive and care about her, that she would understand what he did. But even knowing all this, he still lied to her. He still chose to take the cop-out, adult, cowardly way and tell a child a lie. A lie that is very easily going to be disproved at some point or another. Because in his mindset, you kill Marlene, you kill the fireflies, well, you cut off the head. It's like a Hydra. Someone else is going to take the reins, whether it's the same group or another. You know, I I think that in a fucked up way, I think Ellie would have been really touched by the mass murder that he performed to take care of her. You know, he missed a great opportunity to like get another in with her. Instead, he's told a lie that's going to have repercussions in season two. And I think it was a stupid narrative choice. I think that he should have just been upfront and honest. Um... I also agree that the Sarah conversation with her and comparing them was really awkward. Part of me wondered if, like, Joel was having a little bit of an almost unhealthy, not obsession, but, like, connection between her and his daughter. Like, I don't know, it it was weird. That that, that area of the, the last bit really struck me as odd, so I'm glad that Jeff commented on it as well. It's like, your daughter's dead. Stop comparing the girl who's with you right now to your dead daughter because this is starting to become very V.C. Andrews-esque and Norman Bates-like, and next thing you know, you're going to be dressing her up like your dead daughter or something, putting her in a rocking chair. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the the ending did not resonate strongly with me. It was kind of a whimper.
0: You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think maybe the word salad that he was experiencing, that just weird, weird-ass conversation, might have been psychologically speaking his uh his shame bubbling up you know he was he was trying to take his mind off of what he did and that he's lying to somebody that he really really cares about this is the first time in forever that he has you know (laughs) he has someone that he cares about and, uh, I mean, it's not that it's the first thing that he's done that he's, you know, um let me rephrase. It's not like this is the first thing that he's doing, like that he's immediately lying to her and that sort of thing. But they have established this connection. And clearly this is a big lie. This is a life-changing, life-transforming lie. And maybe that was his guilt bubbling up, trying to word salad his way so that, once again, like I said before, you know, she doesn't ask the big question. she ends up asking it in it anyway, and he doubles, triples, quadruples down on the big lie. hashtag# the big lie
1: hashtag# the big lie. no, I, can, I completely agree with both of you guys that it, it kind of felt a little awkward, but I think that was the point. It's exactly what you mentioned. like he's trying to cover up the fact that like he's about, that he's lying to her the entire time that he did something so terrible by just kind of like talking over it he's like if I talk fast enough and like long enough maybe she's never gonna ask me maybe I can be the father to her maybe I can keep comparing her to my daughter and like maybe they're like sisters in, in my head like it's just it's it's him trying to like assuage his guilt by being as much of like a father figure as he can at this moment, and it's acted completely differently in the in the game. Like, cause this is almost word for word what happens in the game, but the way Troy Baker played it, it's more like he's Peter Pascal plays it with like kind of like a desperation, a hyperness to his voice, whereas um, Troy Baker plays it with kind of like a seriousness, like he's memorializing his daughter he's just thinking back like since they're hiking like oh my daughter would have liked you like you would she liked hiking too like things like that like it it, it's a more solemn moment in the game as opposed to like him like chattering along trying to like fill up the, the the void with words like it they're different acting like moments and to in all honesty like while i approve the game's version more because like, it's it, I completely agree. It's total like VC Andrews like esque ness, where like it's giving like, dude, you're you're acting way too like friendly right now. Like, chill the fuck out. But like, I appreciate what Peter Pascal was trying to do and trying to like, I don't know, just put a veneer of friendliness over like this terrible thing that he's just done. So I, on the other hand, really like the lie. I loved the fact that he did it because, like, it just brings me back to, like, moments when my parents would lie to me when I was a kid. Like, being like, no, like, we can't get you, like, a toy right now because, like there's no more toys to be had, or, like, the, the, we'll get you a toy next time we come to the, to the mall, and we just never got one, like, it's little lies like that, like, parents tell, both to, like, not feel guilty about what, like, what they're doing, and to, like, be the parent, on the other hand, like, make the, the child think that, like, the world is still, like, the place that they envision it, that they, it's still, like, an idyllic world, and he knows that, like, Ellie's been through so much shit. And to, like, to reiterate what she said, the one person that she thought she could rely on, Joel, like, to think that he's going against her wishes. Because I think at this moment, like, you're kind of seeing what she would have wanted, that she would have wanted to die for the cause. Like, she's trying to give him, like, that little moment where she's like, do you want to confess to me? And, like show that they're both equals in this sense but he wants to protect her he wants to be like a father to her so of course he's not going to tell the truth he's going to lie to her because he doesn't want to break that whole trust that they have together but what I think is great acting by Bella Ramsey is that expression that she gives when she says okay I think she knows that he's lying but she chooses to accept that he's lying simply because like to live in a world without him to live in a world where like he's done like that terrible no good thing is simply something that she can't really accept right now because she's a kid as much as like she's been through pain and she's been through david basically like she's still a kid and she still needs someone to rely on so she'd rather just like grit her teeth and like just like bear it just like put that aside in her heart just to be with joel like that's what i think like the whole music and the whole like quietness and the whole like not ending not with a bang with a whimper like meant at the end of this episode and i loved the lie i loved the ending i was okay with it so with that being said since we've gone to the ending now it's time for the mvp the most valuable player state which character impressed you throughout the episode and why once a character has been chosen they cannot be selected again so choose wisely. And I'm going to choose Jeffrey first. Jeffrey, what would you like to give as your MVP?
0: That's so nice. Um, Priscilla, go first. You have not gone first at all, right? Go first. Agreed.
1: Aw, <laughs> oh, thank you. You had that
0: one moment where you really wanted to go first. And you sent me a message one night and I was like, be selfish, go first. And you didn't take advantage of that. Oh. But go first. Okay.
1: <laughs> to be fair, I totally wasn't going to pick Marlene if you guys picked the other two characters. I was going to pick the giraffe. So <laughs> Uh, I'm going to pick Joel cuz come on, Pedro Pascal did an amazing job like playing the pathos of like a father figure who would burn the world for his child, like who would say, "I know I've promise something but fuck it i'm i'm out i'm gonna take my i'm gonna take my child and go like uh, the whole violent scene with the video game like sort of logic where he kills like 14 20 people but he's still like cool because he's like the marksman he's the protagonist like he doesn't get hurt he just moves on was just cool like they managed to mash in like Humanistic moments that are very like TV friendly with like video game mechanics like the whole like bringing the ladder down or like doing a whole like shootout spree like they did an amazing job with both of those and I was really fine with it like I loved Peter Pascal's work here he did even picked different ways to play out like scenes that Troy Baker didn't do which is innovative and cool for an actor to do so yeah. Peter Pascal for sure. I'm going to go with that. So Jeffrey, you can go first.
0: Technically second. Yes. So, okay. I'm glad Priscilla got to go first because you've earned it, you know, going last all this time this season. I'm going to be nice because I actually did like her as opposed to both of you. I'm going to give it to Marlene. Uh, Merle Dandridge, I thought did a really good job with the character um, you know, I didn't mind her as much as both of you did. Uh, I enjoyed her in the flashback. I enjoyed her in the present. You know, in the flashback, you know, she sort of conveyed, as Vinny sort of said, that, you know, she is an emerging leader. And uh, may- maybe that's why there was the hesitation versus the little bit more of the cold calculating type of leader that she is in the present day. So that when she we saw her again and, and she was just much more cutthroat, I thought that was just sort of like the natural progression of her and her character development over the years. Um, I'm a little sad that she died just because I did like that the presence that Merle Dandridge brought with the character that we have seen, so seeing her almost as a foe for them in the next season would have been kind of interesting. So... Um, To sort of do Vinny a solid, I'm giving it to Marlene so that he could pick probably a character that he would be much more rooting for um, as his MVP. The giraffe. (laughs) Yes, the giraffe. Giraffe number two. (laughs)
2: Um, Well, that was very gracious of you to uh, leave the the most I third character. Um, but I'm not picking Ellie. Uh, and before I reveal who I'm picking, I'm going to say why I'm not picking Ellie. I don't think Ellie had a lot to work with in this episode. I think writing wise and acting wise, there really wasn't a lot for her. This was more of a Joel centric episode. So she doesn't feel like she was enough for me to merit an MVP. Um, so I, you know, I'm honestly, I'm delaying it because I am picking the giraffe and I'm going to fully justify it. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I like it. <laughs> the, the giraffe was my second pick after Joel. Uh, and here's the reason why. Well, this was just a, I don't want to call it a throwaway scene, but this was a very brief scene and it was a, it was a real giraffe. It was a live actor, a uh, trained giraffe that played the role. Oh, good. Yeah, it was. It wasn't CGI.
0: I was Uh, very confused for a moment because I was like, this is incredibly convincing CGI for a television budget. And I know it's not TV, it's HBO, but still, like that was very convincing. And I was like, how did they do this? So I'm glad (laughs) it was real.
2: Yeah. Closed set and trained animal. Um, But the reason that I'm picking the giraffe is because this was the perfect episode, the finale of this entire season to have this moment because this series is depressing. It is desolate. It is apocalyptic. It is not something that you watch if you want to feel good because every time there's a feel good moment, someone comes along and takes a shit on it. And this was a very pure, innocent moment of beauty but most importantly this was a moment that signifies that even in this desolate and disgusting world where there's so much shit going on there's one thing left in pandora's box and that is hope Hope that an animal as obscure and exotic as a giraffe can find a way to survive and thrive, because it wasn't sickly, it was thriving in this environment where the vegetation is slowly taking over the world again. This moment signified hope, and I think it gave Ellie hope deep down that there was a future. So for me, when I compare it against Ellie, or I compare it against Ashley as Ellie's mom, the giraffe came out as my second choice after Joel because of what it signified. So it gets my MVP.
1: Yeah, giraffe power.
2: I, I can <laughs> <that with> you. <laughs> hey, hey, the giraffe rose to the occasion, wouldn't you say?
0: <laughs> Jenna, piece <paints a laughs> smiling somewhere.
2: Always.
1: Oh. <gasps> Okay, with that being said, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 infected? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than 10, you may grant it the coveted golden infected. And I'm going to start... Since I went first, let's have uh, Vinny go first this time around. What did you give it?
2: I'm giving this finale... Oh, God, it's... um, I'm giving it an an 8. I think this is a solid 8 for me. It is definitely not a golden or a 10 or a 9. There was a lot of pacing issues. Some of the writing felt truncated or just completely omitted in the sake of economy. This was such a great opportunity to finish off the season on a fantastic note. The, The very ending was a whimper. There were multiple moments that the transition was jarring to me or just didn't sit right. I think there were a lot of missed opportunities. That being said, there was good in the episode. You know, even though it was very clear it was to shoehorn her in to get her to have a cameo, the introduction of Ashley's mother in the backstory gave us a foundation to base Ellie off of. And it was a great way to tonally resonate between the two characters the character of Ellie coming from her mother. So I thought it was a very clever way to shoehorn her. Most importantly, it worked. It let us have an idea of how this girl is a born fighter. Like she came out screaming when there was a cordyceps coming to attack her mother. So I think it did a really good way of connecting her past to the present. Everything else that happened in the episode, I've already kind of hashed. But overall, when I sit down and I look at it, I, I think an eight is a solid score. I really wanted it to be a golden, but it just didn't hit it for me.
1: Okay, so an eight's a fair like judgment, Jeffrey, you're usually easier on the judgments. What
0: would you give it? There was a little shade in that, but I, I accept it. I, I do. I will own the niceness in regards to my rating. But I, yes, I am going to be nicer than Vinny, but not that much. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. And I've been sort of like toying in my head of like where I want it to land. An eight and a half seems appropriate. Um, it was a very short episode. Um, we, well, I sort of nitpicked a little bit uh, some of the stuff. I think this was actually maybe the lowest that I've given it throughout the series' run. Maybe. Um, I don't have all my ratings uh, written down, but I feel like this might be one of the lowest, if not the lowest. Eight and a half is still good, but maybe I was expecting a little bit more. And I co-signed with Vinny in regards to the pacing and and that sort of thing. I mean, it was a 45-minute episode with really like 30 minutes of content in the present day, so um, I I wanted more. And Maybe if we had a little bit more, some more exposition or something... Maybe it could have been a little bit higher. But still, I mean, it was a solid episode. I mean, if if the lowest for me is an 8.5 uh, over the course of nine episodes, then, uh, you know, it, it was a solid series overall.
1: So I guess I'm going to be the nice one. And you could totally tell by, by how I gushed about this episode. But I feel like I'm going to give it a 10. Like, as much as you guys, like, were, like, saying, like, it's too short and... We didn't get Ellie's perspective. I actually liked the fact that we didn't get Ellie's perspective. I'm giving it a 10 instead of a golden because I agree with you guys that it was too short, but I felt like the whole, the lie at the end was great. Like just, I don't know, a twist to the tale of instead of everything turning out happy and people like walking away after a gunshot battle, like it's, it just, it made things more tragic and I liked that ending and it's weird because I usually never like tragic things I like walking away with a happy ending but this was just twisted and good and everything I like in a series I just I completely agree with though like little things like Marlene's decision to uh, like shoot uh Anne and how like kind of like truncated and weird it was, or her acting decisions with Joel, where she's kind of acting to him and not with him, like, little things like that, like, detracted from it, but it didn't necessarily make it, it didn't make it perfect, but it made it, like, still a good episode of TV, like, it kind of, like, proves the point why she's, like, a motion capture, like, voice acting, like, actress, as opposed to, like, too, like, a lot into acting, like, it just... it's little things like that that make me think that, like, she needs like a little bit more time. But other than that, like, really solid show. I come, I I have to give it the ten. It's it was I I approved of how it ended, and unlike Jeffrey, like, it's the average of what I've been giving this. It's mostly been tens and golds for me. I only give it one seven once. So other than that, like it's it's been a good season. So with that being said, now it's time to grade the season. We're grading the season based on A, B, C, D, or F. Pluses and minuses are allowed. And since I was like elucidating kind of like what I was what I was uh, what grade I was going to give it, like I might as well continue on and say, uh, I've been giving it tens, nines, goldens. I think I gave one episode an eight and one episode a seven. The one that I wasn't there I was gonna give it a seven, but other than that, it's mostly been goldens and tens this across the board. So I'm giving it an A, not an A plus, not an A minus, an A, a solid like just a good A, cause it it deserves it. It's it's good TV. I would I would hesitate to say. But I, I have to say it. I think it's one of the best video game adaptations I've seen in a good long while. This isn't some Mortal Kombat sort of situation where they're just pulling shit out of their ass. Or like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog thing where they're taking something and just making a completely different world. They respected the lore, but they added to it with scenes like from the Dark Horse comics or scenes that add flavor text and character to characters that we didn't really know a lot about, like David or adding new characters, like, uh, the insurrectionist in Philadelphia. Was it was, yeah, I think it was like little things like that. Just add more to this thing, making it like, a, something that can stand on its own. So definitely an A for me. Uh, Vinny, what did you give it?
2: Uh, I'm not going to rehash too much about my grading throughout this season. I'm, I'm pretty static, I think. I, I did kind of go up towards the middle and the end. But at the end of the day, when I look back at this whole entire experience, for me, this was a B-. Um, you know, I have to look back at how I felt in the beginning, and there still were moments throughout the entire season where I did find myself a little bored or had pacing issues. Um You know, and then even just talking about this episode here, you know, there have been some ups and downs. Overall, though, it was an enjoyable experience. I agree that it's up there with video game adaptations, but I think they could have done better in some areas and given us more. I'm excited for season two and to see where it goes. But at the end of the day, when I look back, there were numerous moments where my attention wasn't completely enraptured, especially in the beginning. So at, at the end, I, I think B minus sits well with me as kind of like it was fairly done, well videoed and cinematography was a beautiful, great acting uh, most of the time. But there, there were some pitfalls along the way that brought it to a B minus for me.
1: Oh, huh, this is going to be interesting. Is the grading going to follow the grading that we gave this episode where Jeffrey lands right smack dab in the middle of both of us? We'll find out. Jeffrey, what did you give it?
0: Uh, no. um. Can I just say, I'm shocked at the B-minus, because I felt like Vinny rated, there were a couple Goldens from Vinny, um, so that, I'm like, I'm like shaken to my core. That was surprising.
2: <laughs> well, there were, but you also have to think, even on the episodes that I rated Golden, almost every episode, mm-hmm. not every, but almost every, I had critiques and criticisms in a constructive way of things I thought they could have done better, so... Okay. I also did not enjoy the first episode as much, because that was still when I was kind of like, I don't know about this casting, and that was big for me, because it wasn't until, I think, like the second or third episode that I was fully hooked, so I, I detracted for the lack of my attention-getting.
0: Okay, all right, all right. I appreciate the um, the post-script. Um, I'm giving it an A+, plus. so, uh, you know, uh, the nice Jeffrey is back. Uh, Yeah, because if if I go back and think about what I've rated, much like Priscilla did, I gave a lot of goldens. I was actually surprised. I mean, I know that I'm easier. Yes, I, I get it, listeners. It's okay. I accept it. It's my nature. Um, But I actually am surprised at the amount of goldens that I gave out. Like, I wasn't really expecting that, just because I really didn't know what I was getting myself into when it came to this series. Because I had not played the game, I had very, very little information about what was going to happen. And I tried to be as spoiler-free as possible so that I could actually be surprised by some of the plot twists and turns, but I gotta give props to the cinematography, I gotta give props to the music, I gotta give props to the locations, even though maybe some locations didn't look like some of the locations it's supposed to be. It's filmed in Canada. Canada's not gonna hundred percent look like America. It's fine, but uh, the acting was top notch. I thought uh, what we got with um, you know some of the side characters, even though for the most part it was always tragedy with those side characters that we were introduced to. I mean, they were all for the most part really, really good. Like this was a solid series. I don't know if it's rewatchable, though, just because, like, there were a couple episodes where I was shaking to my core emotionally, crying at this damn TV screen. So I don't know if I really want to relive that, Um, but um, this is a series that will stay with me because there were a lot of just awe-inspiring, emotional, um, monstrous moments that I won't forget Uh, Much like, you know, some some other, you know, genre programs, they sort of still stick with me as well. So, um, yeah, uh, because of all the goldens and the tens, and I believe the lowest that I gave was this episode with an eight and a half. I, I mean, the general consensus for my ratings leads me to an A plus a very good first season.
1: Yeah, well, with that, actually, like, that actually gets into my next bit, which are predictions. So since this is an unfair question for me, considering, like, I know what may or may not come next and considering, like, there's been a news article that came out that said that it's we're going to have a second season and maybe even more if HBO is allowed with uh, different takes on the second game. And some things may stay the same. Some things may change. But it's going to be the second game. And it's going to be split into two or more seasons. So with that being said, I'm going to ask Jeffrey first. What do you think is coming out in the second season?
0: All right. My hope is uh, we need confirmation that Ellie doesn't believe Joel. Um, Because I, too, agree with you, Priscilla, that the camera panned just a hair too long on Bella Ramsey's face as Ellie, and we got to see her processing what Joel was saying, and I don't think she believed him as well. And I feel like once, again, just to reiterate what you said, that she was okay with it because, you know, he's her person, and uh, she doesn't want to see him in that kind of way. From the very, very teeny, tiny little that I know about the second game, I know that there's like a massive time jump. So the massive time jump might actually be kind of good because we'll be dealing with an older Ellie, and seeing an older Ellie is going to be, I think, fascinating to watch. Um, As far as what could happen, I genuinely don't know. Like, now the story has kind of been reset because this first... Story was about the cure, and Ellie being the cure, and we need to get to a place so that she can become the cure. What is the second game about? Like, what what is that story like? Ellie is, in essence, free. So she's free to be the person she wants to be. And that's going to be interesting to watch. What are the threats going to be? Um... I don't know much about the second game, as I mentioned. I know there's a time jump. Um, I know that there's like a love interest. And uh, there is a comment that I read once that basically said that the second game is very polarizing for fans of the first game. There are decisions that are made that apparently some fans don't like. Um, I believe that I read a comment that said... Um, A lot of it felt like a gratuitous, gory bloodbath. And my hope, as someone who doesn't know anything else beyond just a couple of comments that I've read, is that if that is truly the case, like, if that is, I don't know if Priscilla will attest to any of that, but if that is the case, if the fandom is kind of torn with the second game, whereas the fandom is sort of incredibly praiseworthy about the first game, then my hope in their translation from the game to television media is that they go back, they look at what works in the game, what was well-received in the game, what wasn't as well-received in the game, and they make some tweaks and changes, kind of like what they did with this season. You know, we've discussed, as we've been discussing the episodes, how they have expanded some storylines for characters. We got additional backstories and all that kind of stuff. I hope that they tweak some of the more unpopular stuff from the second game, you know, as they make the translation from game to the small screen. And that's, that's all that I got, because I have no idea how to predict any of this, outside of the fact that I do want, I guess, a grown-up Ellie to confront Joel. Um, whether it's a confrontation that's dramatic, or whether it's one that's just like, you know, I know the truth, I know you lied to me, and I know you did it... You know, because you care about me and you wanted me to live my best life or something like that. Like, whether it's a confrontational one or a much more emotionally resonating conversation, I do feel like we need to revisit the lie, the big lie.
1: (laughs) So we've got your prediction. Vinny, what are your predictions for the next season?
2: I know everything that happens in the second game because even though I didn't play it, I've read the Wikipedia and the plot descriptions and summaries uh, because my partner never played it, so I didn't get to see it. Uh, So I really don't have any specific predictions because I can't really make them without going into spoilers, so I have some generic ones. One, important people or person is going to die. Two... Someone's going to get really pissed off. Three, there will be a lot more death. Four, there's going to be introduction of a character that people really, 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 really hate. And that's my predictions.
1: Since I'm kind of in the same boat that I've seen a Let's Play of the second game, because my husband hasn't played it, So I haven't actually like immersed myself in it, but like I've seen like what happens. I'm going to say very little, just reiterating again, the doctor is going to play like an important part in the next season as a loomy like foreshadowing. I feel like they may delve into... uh, her choice in the matter whether or not like she would have like agreed with Joel or not. And I feel like one of the more problematic moments, which may or may not come up in season two or go on to season three, I'm thinking it's going to come in season two. The, with the trans character and I'm going to leave it vague there. They're going to be a lot more gentler with than they were in the game because the game was brought up during a time when, and I get that Naughty Dog was really good in the video in w- by asking, like, people that worked with them that were trans, like, what their thoughts were with this character, if it was okay for them to do that. But just because one person says that doesn't mean, like, they're the speaker for, like, all trans people. Like, they should have asked, like, I don't know, like, LGBT groups or like, people that actually represent, like, trans people as opposed to just, like, one person. Like... I'm thinking they're going to be a lot more gentler with that character, with what happens to them. But who knows? Maybe you're, may, maybe it'll be exactly the same. All I know is, like, things are going to change from the game. But they said that about Season 1. And in Season 1, they kept the main impetus, the main points that make The Last of Us the game that it is. And they just added some some things, like... Uh, Melanie Linsky's character but they didn't really take away anything else so with that being said it's just up in the air as to what happens next we would like to thank everyone for joining us these past nine episodes here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us
0: follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media we are on Facebook, Instagram Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Cordy Sets Chronicles and subscribe.
1: Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, for the final time this season, please wish listeners a good night, starting off with you, Vinny.
2: to catch you later! <laughs> That's all I'm and, up with.
1: And Jeffrey.
0: Have a good night, listeners. Hopefully you're enjoying a nice, big bowl of mushroom soup.
1: There is fungus among us. Thanks for tuning in. From all of us at the Cordyceps Chronicles, we wish you a good night.